Porida, Carolyn Du E. A Kreisoe Starlet Radio Dreams presents Kervoriaith Celtica. Good morning, I'm Carolyn, and welcome to Starlet Radio Dreams presents Kervoriaith Celtica, Celtica's music. With me in the living room studio is my husband, Grant. Say hi, Grant. Hello, happy to be back. First, an apology for the construction noises that I have a great fear are finding their way into the recording despite my best efforts. They're literally tearing up the sidewalk directly out front of our house. Well, apartment. But I use house in a colloquial sense. Um, so. Fun! (laughs) But also, I would like to give a content warning. Today's episode is going to talk about the recent uprisings in Kenosha. Grant, are you ready to hear our word of the day? I am. The word of the day is tan. Tan? T-A-N. Tan. Tan. It means fire. All right. And you will also hear it mutated to than, T-H-A-N, in the song. Okay. Um, I'm sure it has at least one more mutation, but I didn't look it up, and it's not in the song. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize, the nation of Wales. And I just realized I don't know how to say I'm sorry in Welsh either, so I can't even <laughs> apologize in Welsh. Oh, I am, I'm a mess. An IOU of an apology to the entire country. Yes. <laughs> so our song today is called Tan in Llyn, which means the fire in Llyn. Okay. Llyn is a part of Wales. I'm going to do things in a slightly different order than we usually do today, so I'm going to jump right into the translation, and then I'm going to give you some background for this song. Okay. So, here comes the translation. Why not light a fire like the fire in Sheen? Why not light a fire like the fire in Sheen? Fire in our hearts and fire in our works, fire in our faith and fire in our words. Fire, 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 fire. Why not light a fire like the fire in Sheen? DJ Saunders and Valentine, oh what a fire that was started by them. Fire in the north that extended down to the south. Fire that was aflame throughout everywhere. A country aflame from the border to the sea. Hope in her protest and freedom to her store. Hearts burning to rectify the step. And the spark in Sheen had kindled the flame. Where is the fire that was lit once before? Extinguished by the rain and demolished by the wind? Was the sacrifice in vain, and was the faith in vain, that the flame would be lit once again some day? Why not light a fire like the fire in Sheen? Why not light a fire like the fire in Sheen? Fire in our hearts and fire in our works, fire in our faith and fire in our words. Fire, 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 fire. Why not light a fire like the fire in Sheen? So from that, you might uh, be assuming that there was a portion of Wales history where it was literally on fire, much like the uh, entire western coast of our country. <laughs> it sounds like there was a lot of fire in Clean specifically, and Wales generally. <laughs> the good news is, the song is talking partly about a literal fire, but mostly about a metaphorical fire. It's comforting. Yes. <laughs> Wales is not prone to wildfires, as our western half is. <laughs> Moister over there. A lot moister. It's an incredibly moist island. I apologize to everyone who has strong feelings about that word. I'd like to give a little historical background about the literal fire that sparked the metaphorical fire 
that was sweeping Wales. <laughs> so in the north of Wales, in the Sheen Peninsula, close to the tip, there used to be a farmhouse that was old as the hills. For centuries, the family that had lived there had been great patrons of Welsh poets. As I've said before, the Welsh love their language, and a big way they have used it is to create poetry and song. We've all heard of bards. While something like a bard has existed in multiple cultures across the globe, that word that we all use as shorthand for it, bard, comes from Celtic languages. That's how much poetry matters to the Celts and their descendants. So that farmhouse, called Penneberth, was a cultural heritage site. I know I don't believe it was officially one, but does it need a plaque to be culturally significant? In 1935, Her Majesty's government wanted to build an aerodrome for a Royal Air Force bombing school. They had tried to build it in Northumberland or Dorset, which are both in England for those not in the know, but the people who lived in both of those locations protested it. So Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin looked to Wales. When the plans were announced in Wales, there were more protests, including a deputation representing half a million Welsh people. Grounds for objection ranged from pacifism to environmental concerns, but all were ignored, and the bombing school was built anyway. This is going to feel like a sharp left turn, but bear with me. 400 years earlier, King Henry VIII presided over a change to the laws in Wales. The act would be called an act of union, but that's a misnomer. The Laws in Wales Acts declared all the laws in England were also the laws in Wales. The le- that legislation would no longer need to have named the nation of Wales in it. If it said England, it means Wales too, by default. Welsh titles and lands had been trickling into the hands of the English crown since the Tudors, who themselves came out of Wales, uh, so since the Tudors took power, mostly as fallout from the effects of wars that didn't directly involve Welsh sovereignty. But now, with the stroke of a pen, it was all officially part of King Henry's domain. 400 years later, to the day, the building of an RAF bombing school and aerodrome began against the will of half a million Welsh voices. So the farmhouse is destroyed, and the bombing school is completed. It's now 1936. Saunders Lewis, DJ Williams, and Lewis Valentine were major players in Plaid Genedlaethol Cymru, the National Party of Wales. To them, the destruction of Penneberth and the building of the bombing school was England forcing its warmongering ways onto the peaceful Welsh countryside. They were frustrated that their party, Plaid Cymru for short, had done so little to fight back before the school broke ground, so they did some groundbreaking of their own. On the 8th of September, they set fire to the empty bombing school. Then they turned themselves in at the local police station because they saw it as the honorable thing to do. They would later be tried and sentenced to nine months in jail for the damages, and the bombing school was repaired and put into use. But these three men, fine upstanding pillars of the community, had done something so loudly transgressive that it would change the face of Plaid Cymru forever. We'll talk more about the far-reaching effects at the end, but for now... Grant, are you ready to hear the song? I am. Betham gynnau tân fel y tân yn llun Betham gynnau tân fel y tân yn llun Tân yn ein coelod a thân yn ein gwaith Tân yn ein crefydd a thân dros ein llaith Tân, 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 tân Betham gynnau tân fel y tân 
Tan Bellaton and Fleen. Let them get I Tan Bellaton and Fleen. Tan and I'm Colon, a Than and I'm White. Tan and I'm Crevy, the Thandros and So that was Tan and Schleen. That was really good. Oh, thank you. Um, the song is originally by an amazing Welsh group called Plethin, who you've heard me playing the songs of. I have. Um, I love them so much. But yeah, so the name Plethin means like plaited or braided. Huh. And that's such a perfect description for their harmonies. Yeah. I didn't sing their harmonies. What? But uh, You sang your harmonies. I sang my harmonies. <laughs> um, although the low part is very heavily based on what they did. If it isn't exactly what they did, it's dang close. <laughs> All thanks in the world to you, Plethin. Diolchenbauer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk for a minute about the long-term effects of that protest, of the fire in Sheen. One of the reasons that it matters. This was the first dramatic, even somewhat violent, act of real defiance. I'm hesitating to use the word violent just because building yeah <laughs> property is not people and they made sure it was empty <laughs> because they're pacifists <laughs> and if pacifists don't see a problem with burning down a building then why should any of you <laughs> so this was the first act of quasi violence that the welsh like resistance side had done in hundreds of years hmm. um 
because you know whales had been subjugated so long ago and as i was describing before the change of the laws in wales act that some have referred to as an act of union it isn't an act of union an act of union gets signed by both parties yeah this is an act of dominance yeah this was just you're mine now stop talking about it so as many Welsh people are very eager to remind us, and rightly so, I say, Wales has been an occupied territory yeah. for like 800 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'll double check the number of centuries on that, but that's the number I think I'm remembering. That 400 years before, <laughs> or 300 at least, before the Act in, the Laws in Wales Act, Wales was already being pumped full yeah. of English troops who wanted to have Wales. In that long a history of colonialism and imperialism, you know, with them being the victims of colonialism, yeah. um, it had been an absolute age since the Welsh, since anyone of the Welsh had risen up and done something this drastic. Yeah. And something I remember reading about this in my research was one person wrote about this saying, like, it seemed like the Welsh were pleasantly surprised that they had that in them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because it just hadn't occurred to them that they could yeah. for so long. So that alone is pretty significant. As I said, the bombing school was repaired and put into use and was in use during World War II, which followed shortly thereafter. So no, their protest didn't have the desired goal achieved. But the um, the ensuing trial, one of the three men was able to be tried in Welsh, hmm. which all three of them asked to be because it's their native language. But only one of them couldn't be proved to know how to speak English. <laughs> I believe he did know how to speak English, but show it, like prove it on paper that I can speak English because... You don't know me. You don't know that I can. Otherwise, it's not a fair trial. I've only ever spoken Welsh to anyone who will say anything about it in this context. <laughs> <laughs> so try me in Welsh. It's my language. <laughs> um, so one of them was able to be tried in Welsh, and that alone is a legal precedent that matters, as well as, and I believe the man I'm speaking of was Valentine, uh, who, who only spoke Welsh. Eastways, as far as anybody needed to know. Also, Saunders Lewis, his work would give rise to the formation of the Welsh Language Society, which campaigns for the rights of the Welsh language to this day. And he was able to be the inspiration for that because he had tried to blow up a bombing school. <laughs> Bomb the bombers! It's <laughs> just, if that's not also poetic, like, <laughs> symmetry. Wales and poetry, man. Yeah. <laughs> it goes all the way back. <laughs> and I'd also read that there was a, like, it seemed a little bit more murky, like, urban legend kind of a detail, not, like, definitely what happened, but I enjoy it. Uh, like, the story goes that after the three men turned themselves in at the local police station in Pusheli, I think, you know, the story goes that they talked through the whole night and entertained the jailkeeper discussing Welsh poetry. <laughs> <laughs> so even though... I don't know that that's true or not. It does show the emphasis on like this is what this is what a hero looks like. Yeah. Like a Welsh archetype of a hero is because every culture has one. Yeah. He has their own spin on the archetype. The Welsh archetype of hero involves strong actions and loves poetry. Yeah. <laughs> like 
can do violence, but can also do beauty. Which feels very ancient world, too. Like, mm-hmm. so many Greek heroes or whatever also sing a lot of songs and write or recite a lot of poetry, etc. Yeah. I do want to touch a little bit on the important role that property destruction has always played in protest. Yeah. With what has lately been happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is not all that far from where Grant and I live in Chicago. And is literally the town that has Bristol Renaissance Fair in it. And Bristol Renaissance Fair is where I have spent the last, like, five summers of my life. I think this year would have been the sixth, but, you know. There's a pandemic on, so we didn't have run fairs. Mm-hmm. So that it was Kenosha where all this was going down matters to me. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who's listening to this a long time after the fact, the reason that there have been uprisings and protests in Kenosha is that the Kenosha Police Department shot Jacob Blake in the back for no terribly good reason, and it's yet another case of police brutality against black people, which it's just the fact that they know everyone's watching them. Mm-hmm. All the police in this entire country know everyone is watching, and they still don't think they should change their behavior at all. Yeah. It's utterly staggering. It's... I know, and I know that's my privilege, being able to say words like staggering in response to that. I know, and I hear it, and I'm sorry. Um, But, yeah, just... The audacity of it. But something that I've been seeing a lot in my own personal newsfeed is people saying, protests are well and good, but I draw the line at property damage. How can you burn down a storefront? How is this helping your cause? It's always been the way. Yeah. And because, too, that, like, if you view this, like, specifically this situation of, like, police brutality specifically against black people, but police brutality in general. If you like view that as a conversation between the people and the police department, the people are people have risen up in groups and said, please stop murdering us. And the police department has said, no, we won't stop murdering you. We won't do anything significant to change how we kill you. And so like, well, what's left for people to do like what's the next step there if someone is you're asking someone to stop beating and killing you and they say no what do you do yeah. you either like submit or submit and die yeah or, or step up your resistance and if property damage is the next step then it's the next step you know because okay. it is like you said before like property is not people mm-hmm. it's not violence in the same way that brutality or Murder is violence. Right. And if you if you don't want to see property being damaged in response to racial inequality or or a bombing school being built in your neighborhood, then help make the quote unquote right way work. Vote, call your representatives in government, join protests give money to groups who are helping make this change happen. If you want it to be done the right way, then step up and help with the right way. Because when the right way, you know, the quote unquote right way doesn't work, this is what happens next. These are the acts of people who are so tired of being 
told that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, but the right way never works. And they just want to live. So if you're upset about the property damage in Kenosha, take some time and consider these things. That the property damage ends when the police brutality ends. Because it didn't change when Colin Kaepernick knelt. It didn't change when people were marching in the streets. And if anything, during this pandemic, when people marched in the streets, the police brutality became that much more audacious. Yeah. The, the thought was, well, we have to stop this immediate problem of people being upset and rioting or protesting versus asking the question, why are people rioting and protesting? How can we deal with those root causes? Exactly. Um, so, so this song helped me take some inspiration in the events of the past and of more recent Celtic history to apply it to our current state of affairs (laughs) in the United States right now. Any other closing thoughts you want to add, my darling? I was thinking a little bit, this is a little bit disjointed, but I was thinking a little bit when you were talking about the, like, the fire in the translation and comparing it to the fires that are currently happening on like the West Coast. That's something I've read about why there are so many fires other than just like climate change and like it being a super hot, dry season. Is that in addition to that, because of essentially like Western colonial practices, natural, regular, like wildfires are like always, always suppressed Mm. and like the practices of native peoples of doing controlled burns to like keep things healthy uh has been also like suppressed and made illegal and so it's this case of creating this situation where it, it where everything is just overgrown 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 and then now it's super dry and now these are fires that are completely out of control so it's yeah. this thing of like the the way that the fire is described in the song is being very like, well, yes, it is a fire and fire is destructive, but what it did in the long run is like create life or create energy or mm-hmm. like do something creative and it feels akin to that. Like, well, yeah, you have to, you have to let these fires burn every once in a while or regularly, otherwise you get like all of that energy, all of that fuel for the fire doesn't just disappear. It yeah. just lays around until something sparks it, and now it's out of control and huge. Absolutely. I like that. And yeah, I really like the idea of these fires were ready to start. Yeah. All it took was a spark, and then, you know, a person who decided that it was terribly important to tell the world what genitals their unborn child had. <laughs> <sighs> It isn't the point of this episode, but gender reveal parties are a bad idea. And they're an especially bad idea if you set anything on fire in the effort to tell people your child's genitals. Rethink that entire decision. Go right back to the drawing board. Just putting that out there. That winds up our episode for today. For this fortnight. I realized during the ensuing two weeks since the last episode that ours is a fortnightly podcast. Because whenever I'm, like, writing the script or whatever, I, I'll tend to say, like, this week we're... I'm like, it's not it's not a weekly podcast. It's not this week. 
But it is a fortnight. Yes. So we're going to talk about... We're going to use that word more often. Fortnight. Yes. So that's our episode for this fortnight. Talk to y'all again in another fortnight. So as I always say, friends, correct me. When I know better, I can do better. In the meantime, I'm striving on my own to know better, not just with Welsh, but with all the things in my life, especially when it comes to my privilege. And you can too. So let's all know better and do better. Please continue to donate, contact your representatives in government, have hard conversations with your loved ones, join marches if you feel moved to do so, and engage in self-critique. And please, please make sure you're registered to vote. Thank you so much for listening. Black Lives Matter. Diochen Bauer am Rando. Mein Bewitt ID in Boisig. Heul.